In today's episode, I really want to welcome you for joining me for what is to be just the realness about meals. And today you are truly joining me for lunch. I'm having a simple, what would be, oh, similar to a potatoes au gratin with broccoli. Now, the thing about broccoli, you either love it or you're apprehensive. But I don't understand why you would be apprehensive. Because it's so delectably delicious. And here's the thing. You don't even have to add too much to it to really enjoy it. Plus, it has so many nutrients. Well, I digress. I just wanted to say that today's lunch... I'm not just going to describe it, I'm actually going to enjoy it as I'm actually talking to you. And I wanted to say that in describing what I'm eating, I will actually tell you the name of the product that I'm utilizing in the meal itself in case you wanted to also enjoy it. Now, the broccoli itself is... Earthbound Farm Organic Broccoli Florets. What does that mean, florets? Well, that means that they already are separated such that you just take them out of the bag and you can re-rinse them and prepare them yourself. Now, of course, you can buy them in such a way that you would have the entire stock and then just break out the florets yourself and enjoy more of the broccoli. Plausible, but what happens when you already buy them in the simple floret form is you can quickly prepare them. And yes, that's true. Sometimes you don't have as much time for the preparation. Now you're probably wondering, why does that sound so crunchy? I'll tell you. The reason my broccoli is so crunchy is because I don't over prepare it. It's so delectable because it actually takes on many flavors. I don't over-smother it with other ingredients. Most of the time, I just enjoy the broccoli itself. But it is actually an accompaniment to other dish items. Now, what else does it have? This potatoes or gratin, so I now, potatoes au gratin is more complex than just potatoes and cheese. Let me tell you. Now that I've mentioned that there's cheese in this dish, what kind of cheese, you're wondering? Hmm. Well, I'm utilizing a cheese package of a combination of different cheeses from the brand Finlandia which has a variety pack of Swiss Colby Jack, Cheddar, and Monterey Jack cheese. 
which is interesting because it's a variety pack. So you really can choose which slices you want to combine into your dishes. And because they're sliced, you either can put them on sandwiches or you can crumble them up and put them into different varieties of combinations. Now, why did I say that this isn't truly potatoes au gratin? Let me specify. Potatoes au gratin, you would have to put in the oven. You would literally have to allow a certain amount of time for not only the cheese to melt, but the potatoes to sustain a certain amount of Oh, excuse me for a moment. I was just enjoying that particular bite of flavor. Oh, so back to the point about the difference between when you simply prepare something over the stove versus when you put it in the oven. Now, Sometimes you can make potatoes au gratin over the stove, such as when it's out of the box and you put it according to the instruction. You put it in a little bit of water and then you add the colorful, bright cheese combination, sort of looking like cheese thing, into the combination of what look to be potatoes. And then eventually that simmers down to what is referred to as potatoes au gratin. But when you are preparing potatoes au gratin in the oven, you allow them to absorb the flavoring of the cheeses that you're utilizing. Be it the Colby or be it the Monterey Jack. Now, sometimes you can even utilize like a Munster. And the thing about cheeses, you've heard me talk about this before. The intense flavoring that cheeses have can really be understood in and of themselves if you put them on a fresh salad, such as if you put feta on a Mediterranean salad, you understand just how bold the flavors are. But what happens when you put cheese on an item that goes in the oven, sometimes the flavors change. They change to a different kind of pungent flavor, which creates a type of what would be, if we were talking grammatical, would be an exclamation point. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, eat a fresh piece of mozzarella cheese and think about that for a moment. And then the next time you eat 
fresh lasagna out of the oven. Think about that. And notice the difference. It's the same cheese if it has mozzarella. But you also know it isn't just mozzarella. It also has ricotta. And it also likely has two or three other combinations of cheeses, such as the parmesans that would have been added. And so what happens is the flavor just resounds in the dish. So I just wanted to point that out. And what happens then is you really see the noticeable difference in what happens when something comes out of an oven fresh and warm. So I wanted to note that. But truly though, Do excuse me as I chew my broccoli. And of course, normally, you wouldn't want to speak in the middle of chewing your food. However, I'm sure you understand that as I'm trying to describe this experience of having a meal with you as my guest, on the other end of this digitally electronic world we live in, I want you to be part of this experience. And certainly, I'm not, as some say, Oh, you're just over the top with some of your descriptions. Well, some may think so, but some may not. Some would truly appreciate the descriptions. And I know so because I have received compliments before regarding some of the dishes that though some people may have said, oh, no, no, I don't like that vegetable at all. Really, I would say. Why don't you try it? And then they would try it. And lo and behold, they would begin to appreciate a perfectly new vegetable to them, but a vegetable nonetheless that was just waiting to be appreciated. What vegetable, you wonder? None other than the Brussels sprout. Now, the Brussels sprout was not created yesterday. It's been around quite a while. But what happens when someone discovers something new, has a new experience, they realize, wow, what have I been missing out on? And 
I realized this is a new flavor because that particular person had actually tried Brussels sprouts before, but they just were not fond of how it had tasted to them. And so when they tried the preparation in that form at that particular moment in time, it then changed their perspective. And whether it was the particular instance as to their ability to open their mind and be aware of how this might taste differently, be more appreciated, or even consider that it might be healthy for them, well, then it truly did change their perspective. And so I'm not saying you have to eat broccoli, but I am saying consider the fact that it is actually healthy and it has a lot of nutrients. And I won't go on and on about this particular subject, and I will pause the segment at this particular moment. Because I'm going to enjoy a glass of water, and I'll continue in another segment to discuss what joy onions can bring to the world. And welcome to the next segment. Previously, I mentioned that I was going to take a little bit of a respite and enjoy a glass of water as I had been sharing with you the experience of having lunch, which particularly consisted of broccoli and potatoes, which appeared very close to potatoes au gratin, but weren't exactly potatoes au gratin. They more were akin to home fries, but yet went into the realm of closer to potatoes au gratin because they were sliced in such a way that they were of greater depth than home fries. Home fries would have been little squares, diced, and would have had perhaps bell peppers, perhaps onions, perhaps even tomatoes. But this did not. And so that's why when I talked about it being very close to potatoes au gratin, it actually had more of the cheese component to it. And that is why I began describing that. But I don't want to continue to uh, speak about the particular previous segment. I do, however, want to talk about the importance of onions. Why should we find onions so interesting? Now, the thing about the Dewpoint Report, it's more than just the digital electronic world that we live in, through which we are communicating. Truly, as I have mentioned before, it is about exploring the duality of existing in a rapidly changing digital electronic world. 
while striving to be ever-present in the solemnity of the present. What does that mean? It truly encapsulates the concept of the Enyan. Have you ever noticed that there are so many layers to this interesting vegetable? So many layers such that it's almost as interesting as a person. The more people we meet, the more we understand that the people are truly interesting because of the unique experiences that we all have had over the years because of who we are, where we come from, and how we have grown up. Interesting in the sense that no two of us are ever exactly the same. Even two people who would be twins grow up to have differing experiences, though they may have the commonality of having someone who is very similar to them. They themselves, as individuals, have unique experiences, unique to their own lives. And I say that because an onion, you would think, is simply a vegetable as any other vegetable. And why would I even bring it up? It's just one of those that gets put into the dish and then other things get added and it's simply a contributing component of a dish. Well, let me tell you about an interesting onion that has been taking up quite a bit of space in the kitchen for several months now, going on three months. This onion has decided that it doesn't want to be just a regular onion. It wants to be understood as more than just an onion that can be sliced and put into a dish. Why do I say that? I even took a picture of it, and you'll have to find it in one of my other social media platforms. And I'll give you that information toward the end of the segment. But it, let me tell you what makes it so interesting is the following. I had been, of course, making meals with all of the vegetables I had available. And that one, I guess I just had not gotten to just yet. And then I realized the root was growing. And the root kept growing. And it kept, in such a way it kept growing that I thought, well, this is interesting. It no longer looks like a root. It actually looks like an onion in an onion. And so I, then I just started to observe the darn thing because I thought, well, this would be really a travesty if I decided to put this in a dish and it no longer was going to become what it wanted to become. So I have continued, and it's still in the kitchen, I have continued to notice that the onion itself got smaller. But the growth that happened, which was this metaphor, metamorphosis, this transformation that took place, really was a new onion. Now, this onion obviously exists in the world. It's a, it's a scallion. 
but it's so interesting because this didn't begin as a scallion, but now there is a scallion growing from a yellow onion. Now there are white onions, there are purple onions, there are yellow onions, and each of them has a different flavor. If you've ever noticed that a purple onion is very sweet and often used in certain salads because it's a little bit more palatable. It's, it isn't as bitter um, in the flavoring. The yellow onion, often in dishes, very easy to prepare in, in meals. It isn't as quick to make your eyes cry if you're preparing it and you don't uh, prepare it far enough away from you that then it's, it isn't going to make you cry. The white onion is extremely pungent and the aromas that come from that are more than melodious. Yes, aromas can be melodious. I don't know if you've ever realized that some aromas just have a tone to them, and that's why I say they're melodious. So back to the, the usage of the onions. Now, what is true and often has been seen for, say, for example, the white onion. Now, I'm not making up these names. This is These are actual references, and you can look at the Onion Association, the National Onion Association website if you'd like to reference it. And especially if you'd like to find out more information about the nutritious value of the onion itself, feel free to visit that. But what I'm pointing out about the white onion is that sometimes people put these in, say, for example, like a dish diced and then in a dish with lemon and a little bit of salt. And that, that breaks up the bitterness. And then afterward, adding it to another dish, say, for example, like a salsa dish. Uh, pico de gallo, for example, very common. But what it does is it, it actually pickles the onion just slightly. You don't leave it in the lemon too long, but the acidity of the lemon breaks down that pungent sense that the onion really sends out. And so what I found fascinating, because some of you have actually seen my observations of a very interesting vegetable years ago that also grew roots. And these were different because instead of growing a completely different vegetable within the genre of the vegetable, that particular one just grew roots and roots and roots and flowered. And I observed it for months, almost a year. This one, it hasn't been that long, but I can tell you that were I to decide to make a meal out of the scallion, it certainly would be plausible. But I no longer can utilize the actual original onion that, that this began from. So that is interesting in and of itself. And secondly, also interesting is if I were to put this in the ground, it actually could develop into more than just the scallion that I'm seeing, which is fascinating because this really should be happening under the ground, but it's happening just in the kitchen. And it didn't happen with the other onions, but it did happen with this one. And so the metamorphosis has been extraordinary. And maybe I'm the only one who finds that so fascinating. But what I 
glean from that fascination is the following. It has decided that, now uh, perhaps you think that I believe the onion has an opinion when I say that, but you know, in this particular part of my opinion, I'm formulating a sense of creative opinion because the creativity of what I think the onion is possibly doing is what allows me to find the fascination. And that is really what I am explaining about there are some really unique occurrences in this world. And if you were to just ignore them, you would miss out on such bountiful glories. And so when I talk about exploring the duality that exists in this, what would appear to be a two-dimensional truth, each person experiencing the world in which we live in, in our space, whatever that space is and however that space is defined, is truly experiencing more than just that digital electronic world. It's the way in which we share each other's experiences, such as how I'm telling you right now what had happened with that onion, because this is more than just the layers of an onion coming through. This is more than just, whoa, that's a blooming onion. It isn't blooming. There's no flower occurring out of this onion. This is literally another vegetable variation of the vegetable itself, and that is transformational. Transformational to the sense of how many people can sometimes find themselves transformed by certain experiences. And why I draw a parallel to that is because if the last year has done anything but remind us how difficult life can be, it has also reminded us that any of us who are still here to be able to give voice to those experiences, not only of ourselves, but to the experiences of others who have had such difficult times over the last year and even before, that we understand not only the metamorphosis that people have gone through, but the metamorphosis that the world has gone through, the catharsis that people have experienced, the ability to be present within the solemnity of the present is a layer within a layer. And if you look at an onion, you see it often has many layers, even the scallion. But the scallion has just been designed in nature in a much different way, but yet it's still utilized in a meal to provide a plethora of flavoring. And so this symbiotic sense of responsibility to understand what is around us. Now, I know you must have believed that this meal I shared with you between the broccoli and the potatoes au gratin and the cheese, and now I'm talking about onions. 
that's a whole lot of food happening there. And even I, when I listen to the Oh Broccoli segment, I do laugh in certain portions because I think yeah, that's a little bit funny. And then in others, I think that's just a little bit peculiar of me to point out. But don't we all often point out peculiar things in our surroundings? And if we didn't, wouldn't we just miss what is around us? And if we missed what was around us, then what would those experiences look like if we were not a part of them? And is it not a wonder to behold that we are able to lend a voice to wonderful experiences and that we have a responsibility to be able to lend voice to them. Because if we don't, then those experiences go untold. And when those experiences go untold, it doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means that people are not allowed to unfold the layers of their experiences. And not everyone has the ability to unfold those layers of experiences as openly as possible. And so why not be able to tell you about the story of this onion? Because it's more than a story. It is not something that I read in a book. It is not something that someone told me. It is occurring in the kitchen as I speak. And people have said, oh, it's a blooming onion. No, it's not a blooming onion. It is a transformed, metamorphosized onion that has decided it has different facets to itself than it was originally provided with. And in that, it is showing all of its senses to everyone around. And I think that is such a gift of joy. And so I am, in the one sense, remiss that I haven't made a meal out of the scallion portion. And in another sense, I am not wanting to because I want to see just how much will this scallion grow? Because that is just something extravagant in my eyes. And if I were to make a meal out of that, I might just lose the the wondrous uniqueness that is the experience of what is occurring in front of me regarding this onion. Now, having said that about the onion, some people had question about broccoli and whether it truly is healthy enough for us to enjoy, us being everyone. And I identified some resources that might be able to help answer that question. Some of the information I have garnered is from a book by the name of Superfoods author Stephen Pratt and Kathy Matthews.
And what I enjoy about this book is it really breaks down many vegetables that are considered superfoods. The term superfoods has often been overused in some circles. However, it truly does have a purpose. There are very specific foods that have nutrients beyond the capacity of other vegetables. And broccoli is one of them. And so I wanted to call out why broccoli is so cool and it's so important to be able to enjoy and make delectable in meals. Did you know that broccoli itself has, and this is from the book that I mentioned, did you know that it has folate and that it actually has benefits that are beneficial for the cardiovascular system. Did you know that it also has flavonoids, cardinoids, vitamin C, folate I mentioned already, and potassium? And also did you know that it provides, which you've heard me I think in other segments, other episodes talk about fiber because there's this entire chapter I have about the usage of broccoli and not just the florets but the inner part of the broccoli stock which can be put into salads and that is where the majority of the fiber is for the broccoli itself. It also has vitamin E, vitamin B6 and oh let me go on but just a little bit longer it has what are considered fat-soluble antioxidants. And so these antioxidants are really beneficial for the system throughout, and they help in a way that, as I mentioned before, you can either eat the broccoli broth, which is when it has the majority of its vitamins, or if you do boil it or prepare it in in the oven, just know this, that when you have boiled it in water, it loses about 50% of its vitamin content. So you have to recognize that, yes, when foods are raw, they actually provide a very specific benefit to the body when they have certain vitamins that they offer, but you also have to know that some of them sometimes are very difficult to digest, and that is why everyone knows their body best, and everyone knows what vegetable or what fruit is better to enjoy for our bodies as a whole. And so the reason that I called out the benefits, the vitamin benefits of broccoli itself is that there are a lot of people who think it actually serves no purpose, and I wanted to clarify. Actually, it does. Now, will I talk about other vegetables and other dishes in the next segment? Absolutely. But after this brief break, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on the other end. And welcome back. 
to the Dewpoint Report, the digital electronic world. Point Report. I mentioned that I would tell you a little more about another lunch experience. This time I'm not going to necessarily bring you in to the experience itself as I am having the lunch so that you are in the lunch experience. However, I'm going to explain to you and describe as I was having a lunch experience what happened on that day. And the reason that I'm going to explain this experience to you is because I think truly times have changed. They have changed in such a way that, well, as you know, my podcast is under the topic of culture and society. Well, I talk about a variety of things. I also dabble in sometimes the conversation of sports. You've heard me for years now, from time to time, divulge in different subject matters, the different subjects of sports. And perhaps in, in a few episodes from now, because the Olympics is just down the way in a hundred days, I may talk about the anticipation of the Olympics and how exciting that is. But for now, I'm going to tell you about this experience that I had in what was the first time that I embarked on having a meal outdoors in public at a restaurant, what that meant, how it really changed from what the same experience used to be pre-COVID. Now, you have heard me say, truly the world has changed because of the essentiality of the way that the world has become more aware of the importance of precautionary measures for understanding COVID. And now that is very important, don't get me wrong, but it also has truly changed the psyche, the mind, the human interactions. And I think what we had begun to say as a society that while it was very much important to have social distancing, it was equally as important not to disregard the human need to still be socially adept to understanding that the people around us that were important in our social circles still needed our attention. And that we shouldn't lose the humanity in the circumstances, as difficult as they would be and have been and continue to be. Now, clearly, as different states continue to move into an easing of the COVID restrictions, 
that doesn't mean that there's suddenly a disregard for the important precautions, such as continuing to wear face masks or the continuing to have an understanding of what it is to be six feet apart or continuing to wash one's hands regularly with soap and water or utilizing antibacterial sanitizer where appropriate. But I don't mean to digress. I really want to describe to you what this, uh, what I would consider a new experience was. I would consider it a new experience because as where I live, had gone into an easing of restrictions and they had said, you can suddenly dine outside or dine indoors of restaurants that were suddenly open again. It was like a new adventure. And it shouldn't have had to have been, but it was. And the reason that it was is because what had been just so second nature for years had become a new skill because of the very situation of having to stay indoors for these precautionary measures of over a year of understanding of the importance of just how serious COVID-19 is. With so many people having been lost to this serious illness, one cannot help but have a depth of understanding of what it means to take the appropriate precautions for one's own safety, but also for the safety of others. And that is exactly what the face mask the social distancing, and the washing of hands is. It's not an exaggeration. It's not a made-up circumstance. It's an appropriate understanding of the circumstances. So, on that afternoon, as I made my way to this cafe, I ordered. I ordered... A caprese salad. I ordered a caramella. And I ordered a greenery. It sounds like a lot, but it isn't. One is a panini, the greenery made up of grilled greens, greens in the sense of vegetables, um, including spinach, kale, carrots, and an aioli with a grilled panini. And perhaps some onions in there. The caramella is a latte with caramel in it. 
and the caprese. Now the caprese salad I saved towards the end. And you have to understand the context under which at the very end, I stared at the plate. I had poured the vinaigrette. I had poured the oil and it had mixed and unmixed and separated in the most appropriate way. And so then as the sun sparkled over the vinaigrette, the oil, the basil, the cheese, and the tomato. I looked at this wondrous simplicity in a most complex manner. And one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven minutes had passed by when all of a sudden I heard, is everything okay? And I said, oh yeah, everything's fine. But I continued to stare at this salad. And I can imagine it was a most perplexing, complex look that I was giving the salad because I fully realized that I was staring at this salad, which was in a very small plate because caprese salads are not necessarily large because they are simple in their complexity. And I had been looking up occasionally and looking down, looking up, looking down. And there was a bird chirping in the background, which had occasionally sparkled my attention. But truly what had more of my attention was the salad. And then I began to enjoy the wonder that was this salad. Now you would think, what? That's all that's in a caprese salad? The name is longer than the ingredients that are in it. Wow, perhaps, but it really is a complex combination of flavors that resound when you begin to enjoy the caprese salad. And so I, clearly not being Italian-born, andiamo mangiare caprese. Nonetheless, an appreciation for this Italian salad. And when I was done with the salad, which I had continued afterward to write down the full description of the enjoyment of that particular moment as I was sitting there. 
what it meant to enjoy at that particular moment. In the sun, a salad most simply complex. I took my plate in and I explained why I had looked so perplexed. And afterward I thought, I hope I wasn't rude in my response. And so I should explain really why. I was seemingly lost in the meal. I said, you see, the first time I ever had a caprese salad was in Italy. And it was a wondrous experience. And it took me back to that experience. And I wanted to enjoy the salad here as if it was there again. And that's why. When I stared at that salad, as long as I did, I wanted to put myself in the experience of where I was at that moment, years ago. Now, of course, I knew that I wasn't necessarily in the same setting, and that's completely fine. However, the salad itself, was the conduit by which I arrived at the same experience, which was the meal. And she said to me when I told her, well, first time I had a caprese salad was in Italy. She said, oh, they must make it better. I said, well, they do. And then I thought, well, that was rude of me. And I probably should have thought my answer through before I answered. I probably should have said, your salad is great. I didn't have to say so abruptly as I did. Because, and the reason I say that is, appreciating the people that provide the nutrition and work so hard as they do to provide that nutrition should be just as appreciated when they do provide that nutrition as the people who provided the nutrition in other countries, when we had the experience in other countries, other years. Because yes, that salad, that caprese salad may have been a different salad in a different country with a different experience at a different level of nutrients but I didn't have to have said so abruptly. Yes, it was better. I could have said, well, I think this salad was great as well. Thank you so much for providing this today. 
You know, but I have to tell you that when I was in Italy, I had a fantastic experience having been in the country itself and having learned about all of the ingredients that go into the meals. And that would have put the experience in the context of the very circumstances within which I was there, within with the experience of focusing on food at that particular moment in time. And I didn't do that. And that is what left me remiss afterward. But it didn't take away from the fact that the caprese salad that I enjoyed at this particular moment was good. It was good. It wasn't perfect. But it certainly gave an excellent experience for having been over a year of eating somewhere in public. And I'll tell you, what one of the most awkward moments was of having gone somewhere to eat in public for the first time in a long time was, oh my goodness, I've been wearing this face mask everywhere that I go. And now, am I supposed to eat with the face mask on? Do I put the ingredients into my mouth with the face mask on? It's so awkward. What do I do? Do I take the face mask off? It was like this actual questioning to myself of, this is a little bit absurdly awkward. But eventually, I answered that question for myself because obviously, to actually enjoy the meal, I would have had to have taken the face mask off. And I did. And lo and behold, I was able to enjoy the meal. So that was actually one of the unusual awkward moments that I was not anticipating until I arrived at that moment. And then once that was surpassed, it just uh, turned into what was very familiar. But it wasn't as hilarious as Recognizing that really so much has changed in the world and how we really have to be able to adjust our own mindset with our own cultural expectations, with our own visual expectations, with our own expectations of what is normal with our own expectations of what the future will be in order to better understand what is comfortable. Because what was normal really has been redefined. What is normal for one is not necessarily the same normal for another. And that has always been the circumstances. And so we really have to open our mind, continue to open our mind, and continue to understand that changes occur every day. 
around us, within us. And the expectations we have of each other also need to be as fluid as they can be in order to remain cognizant of the fact that uh, society is a plethora of combinations of circumstances. And it will continue to be. Let me know what you think. And we'll return in a moment. Ah, yes. Andiamo. And certainly, let's be clear. It's true. I'm not truly fluent in Italian. However, capisce l'italiano. If someone were to say, Excuse, signorina, capisce l'italiano? I would respond, No, signore, no capisco l'italiano. Because I don't really understand Italian in its fullest sense of the word. I'm not fluent to be able to have a full conversation. However, I can have pockets of conversations here and there. And why I get so excited about things such as the Caprese salad, the caprese insalata, truly, is because, you see, the seven days that I was in Italy, in the Piedmont, and some different day, a different episode, I'll tell you all about that, were specifically to learn about food sovereignty of the region and to understand what the region had gone through and was going through in terms of food security. And understanding that, of course, you can't learn everything there is to know about the subject in seven days. However, it was most interesting because all of that was wrapped around the concept of agriturismo which of course has changed over the years, but at the time was quite the popular concept. And why I mention it is because when I gave you, my dearest listeners, the description of what having that salad meant at that particular moment, it was more than just a salad that I could have ordered, perhaps even had delivered. It was more about having the experience of the salad in the cafe itself with the latte. And why did I describe that for you? Well, this is why. When I gave you the explanation as to how I could have given different 
feedback to the owner of the shop that may have been better suited for a constructive feedback mechanism. I really thought about that because while my feedback to her was quite honest, there was nothing truly wrong with what I said about how the salad actually was made better in Italy. It was. Why wouldn't it be? It was, would have been authentic in a different way. It was also nothing wrong with the salad I just had. It actually was a good salad. I enjoyed it thoroughly in its own experience. The point that I was making with providing you a contextual understanding of how to give good feedback was this. There are different ways that we could provide feedback to individuals. The first is a way in which, as I mentioned before, can be constructive. Constructive in a manner in which the person can learn from the experience and they could be better from it so that in the future they have grown and they find ways in which to build from the previous experience. The other is feedback which is just flat. It just says something and there's nothing to grow from. It's just information. Information in, information out. And the third is the kind that digs in so deep that it actually is deconstructive. Meaning that it nitpicks at something that doesn't have to be nitpicked at and actually destroys the very construct of what is meant to be the possibility that it could be constructive. Such that if a person made a perfectly good meal and someone says, this is horrible, well, perhaps it wasn't horrible, but to the individual, it didn't meet their standards. It's fine that it could not have met their standards, but that doesn't mean the individual had to say it was horrible. Perhaps it truly wasn't horrible. It just has to be calibrated in the sense of what constitutes horrible. Well, that can vary based on experiences, of course. But once an individual knows how to provide constructive feedback, they can understand that everything is in context when it's given as feedback to an individual. So you see, there are rules as to how to prepare a meal. If the meal was prepared by the rules and there was nothing truly wrong with how it was prepared, then it was good. It met the standards of how it was supposed to be prepared. But it didn't exceed the expectations. And that's fine. It didn't have to exceed. Being able to provide someone constructive feedback allows them the space to grow so that in the future, the particular instance can be improved upon. So that perhaps there can be a betterment of the situation. 
and maybe the quality of the product then is better next time. Now, that's when it comes to something that has a standard of preparation. A food is very easy to point out because there are always standards of minimal preparation of what meets the quality. If it's a presentation, for example, well, there's so much subjectivity to that because a lot is dependent on the presenter, the presenter's style. There are, of course, standards in terms of the information that is provided. Is it true? Um, what is the quality of the facts that were presented? Were they substantiated? And then did the presenter add a sense of flair to the presentation that gave which allowed the people in the audience to feel like they were participating. And that's why it's so important to be able to, when someone is presenting, provide the type of feedback that is constructive, which says things such as three things that went well and three things that could be improved upon. So that's in that sense. This is why constructive feedback in and of itself isn't just provided in one foul swoop. And I don't mean foul like foul, F-O-U-L. I mean foul as in F-O-W-L, as in the way that a bird, foul, flies in the sky and then all of a sudden they see something that interests them and they swoop down in order to further see if that is exactly what they're looking for. And so when you identify the appropriate feedback that is necessary, in one foul swoop you provide the necessary feedback clearly and concisely and precisely so that it can be received. And if it is received honestly and thoroughly, the person will at that time be able to sincerely recognize that they also have a place to grow from that moment. And that that place of growth is also honest and sincere. Not everyone allows themselves to grow from feedback, interestingly enough. Some people get upset when they're given feedback. They're like, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. Get away. They have an adverse reaction to feedback. They shut the door emotionally. Sometimes, uh, actually, in real life, there is a door. They'll shut it. 
And that is a reflection of what their emotions are telling them to do. But other times, people are very open to the feedback. They'll say, oh, really? Well, thank you for telling me that. We'll have to work on that. I had no idea that what I was saying was being interpreted in that manner. And why it's important to note the difference is when a person can accept the feedback and learn from it and say, thank you, I appreciate what you've said. I will take that in, evaluate it introspectively, and grow from it. That, per that person is truly willing to learn in all aspects of themselves from that feedback. And to the contrary, when a person shuts the door emotionally to the feedback, they do not leave any space emotionally, nor introspectively, to be able to grow. And sometimes they don't do it on purpose. Sometimes there are blockages in the mind. And I don't mean... aneurysms. I mean blockages of emotional instances that don't allow a sense of openness to understanding that have nothing to do with what's being told to them. But it has so much more to do with things beyond, things that have happened before, which bring back memories in such a way that truly, as I said, have nothing to do with what's being discussed at the moment. And often by no fault of the person giving the feedback, there is a reaction, emotional, strong, powerful reaction. And that strong, powerful, emotional reaction is what can often lead people to misunderstand that it's about that moment. Truly, often isn't about that moment. Truly, it's about years beyond. And so feedback is essential, absolutely essential, because the body itself gives biofeedback in ways many of us know and many of us do not know. But the point that I'm making is, for the moment we decide to give others an understanding of what we think of something, let's be realistic about how we give that understanding to others and be conscious of how we provide that feedback so that we could provide it in an as appropriate manner as possible, no matter the circumstances.
Y diría yo que es tan importante entender eso en este momento que en otros momentos, porque el año que hemos todos vivido ha sido tan difícil que nos ha enseñado la importancia de paciencia. Paciencia, el entendimiento, la compasión. Y lo importante que es poder ver la perspectiva de otros. So as I just said, this is why it's so important that because of the last year that we've all gone through, it is so important for us to be able to exercise our patience. And I mean patience as in P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. Because it allows us to better comprehend ourselves and to better understand the compassion that is necessary. Not only for ourselves, but for others. In what most often have been most difficult circumstances. And that concludes this episode, which has included most curious curiosities of food anomalies. I do hope you enjoyed. Let me know what you think. Write me at my email, which is thedewpointreport at gmail.com. And this is your host, Margarita. <laughs>